this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i'm your host g sampad earlier this month cricket australia launched a five year strategic plan for growing and managing the sport in the country the plan titled where the game grows lays down a road map for australian cricket for the period 2022 to 2027 it has many ambitious targets including doubling the number of cricket playing kids aged 5 to 12 years to 210000 in 5 years and quadrupling the number of girls taking up cricket to 60000 among other things the plan also aims to enhance community participation increase cultural diversity and offer outstanding digital and live experiences for cricket fans all with an eye of making cricket an olympic sport in the 2032 brisbane olympics india as we all know is a cricket crazy country but the public doesn't get to hear much about the bcci's plans for instance or gets consulted about them so there is a lot of curiosity about cricket australia's approach to managing the sport how did cricket australia come up with this plan what went into it and what are the challenges they foresee To tell us more we have with us someone who has been at the heart of the entire process Ankit Mishra general manager strategy and customer experience at Cricket Australia Ankit thank you so much for joining us It's a pleasure Ankit to start with uh, I wanted to ask you to take us through the whole process I mean I understand the strategic plan was developed after a long process of consultations with various stakeholders so can you briefly take us through the whole process from the starting point till the final draft of how this five year plan was put together and the general response to it Sure Sampath uh, we'll give it a try to make it brief but we did run a, a long process it was almost a year of consulting the leadership and employees across Australian cricket and what i mean by australian cricket it's made up of cricket australia at the national level and then we have our eight states and territories cricket organizations as well as aca that represents the players and not just that we also took inputs from our fans through surveys that run all across the year as well as from participants or the players at the grassroots levels and the volunteers through national surveys and consensus Uh, Ankit how big was the survey like you was how big was the sample you said you spoke to I mean the, the surveys was done with uh, fans was it like a large base of cricket fans yeah so what we do is uh, every time you want go to watch a game we we survey all the attendees and and obviously different surveys have different response rates plus we also run monthly survey with tens of thousands of fans every year every month and then when it comes to participants we're talking about i i heard you say some of the numbers for 5 to 10 12 years old at the start we're talking about hundreds of thousands of participants who participate in an annual survey that that focuses more around the grassroots cricket and the volunteers at the club level okay that that's a fairly uh, i think a comprehensive I mean, a large base to sort of draw on in terms of understanding what the average cricket fan in australia wants true uh, and that's that's very important uh, as we started shaping up the strategy and what we did was as all of this information came in through uh, through surveys and research we set up multiple working groups made up of experts from relevant topics and these working groups would meet on a weekly or fortnightly basis analyzing the research assessing what's happening in the industry as well as uh, in other markets and looking at the internal view of where cricket in australia is we developed 
and translated those things into objectives, initiatives under those objectives, and the specific measures against which we will track our progress. And my role in all that was as a central coordinating team, making sure that all these outputs come together as a coherent strategy, which is what we launched last week. And, and thanks for calling that out, our strategy for next five years, where the game grows. Right. And one of the things I would imagine that sets uh, this five-year plan apart from the one you had for the preceding five years is the fact that this one comes after the pandemic. And we have read uh, sporadic reports about how the pandemic affected cricket in Australia, not just in Australia, but of course, uh, globally also. So can you talk a little bit about what happened with Cricket Australia's plans uh, because of the pandemic? And I'm sure it must have been hit on the sustainability front as well. So, and how do you, how do you, what is the plan to sort of get back uh, on, a, on a good ground uh, following the disruption caused by the pandemic? Sure. Uh, you're, you're right in, in picking that. And last two years have been unprecedented in many ways and have had challenges for everyone, including sporting organizations like Cricket Australia. We've had to deal with many protocols when it came to playing conditions, charter planes, increased biosecurity costs. Uh, we've had to move matches at the last minute. We lost, lost a few players right at the last minute. But despite all these challenges, if you look at it, our teams across Australian cricket have delivered two full seasons of international cricket and big bash leagues. Fans in India would recall the iconic series in 2020, both on the men's front as well as the women's front. And then last year, we had the home ashes tour with uh, men's and women's team from England. We've done really good work across uh, keeping cricket alive through these years. Uh, obviously, it has had some impact on the match attendance, given the crowd restrictions in various states. But our TV audiences have held pretty strong throughout. In terms of cost, uh, as I mentioned, around the biosecurity cost and the charter planes in, in coordinating the leagues, that did have an impact on our cash reserves. But now, as part of this strategic plan, we're looking to, to do a strong rebuilding phase in the first year of it and then take it uh, to a growth phase over the, the subsequent four years. Right. Of course, one one aspect of uh, the pandemic impact is what you just uh, described. You know, chartered planes and biosafety protocols, etc. must have actually, you know, inflated the cost by a, quite a bit. But the other aspect is, of course, uh, what, what I find, uh, what I'm curious to know about, which is, say, uh, like what comes through from Cricket Australia's annual survey, and I, I remember reading that there, has, there was a worrying decline in the number of uh, children aged 12 and above uh, who were trying out cricket uh, during the 2021-2022 Australian summer. And, is, and this is partly, of course, because of the pandemic. So, uh, so how, is, that may, is that one of the main reasons why the new five-year plan seems to lay a great deal of stress on getting more children from this age group to take up the sports to sort of make up for the drop in numbers for the years of the pandemic? Uh, let me put a bit more context to it. Uh, so what has happened, you, you're right in picking some of the elements there. But if we look a bit deeper, our retention rate for junior cricket was extremely strong. It's a large proportion of kids that we had attracted to the game before COVID. They continue to, to engage with cricket, whether they came through watching BBL or through our new junior formats. That cohort stayed on. But what we found was the number of newcomers declined in this period. And that's possibly because uh, in lockdown, families were not looking out to do new things. And there were a few entry-level programs that were closed. So that, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of, uh, of what has informed our strategy is that 
cricket's a very technical game. If you don't learn the skills before 12 years of age, you're unlikely to play at a higher level. So that's why we do not want a missing COVID generation in junior and senior cricket in years to come. At the same time, what we have identified is that young girls, and speaking locally in Australia, the kids from the South Asian community as key opportunity areas uh, or the areas where there will be a lot of growth uh, potential to come from. And we've done a lot of work at the community level now to make our clubs more open and inclusive. You quoted that ambition of ours to double the number of 5 to 12-year-olds playing cricket and making this a key part of strategy actually shows our commitment to achieving this goal. Right. And uh, one other important aspect I found uh, in your strategy document was the emphasis on uh, women and girls picking up cricket. I mean, generally speaking, at least in India, when we speak of cricket, it is it is primarily men's cricket that is talked about. And, and one of the other aspects here in this context I want to bring in is that in men's cricket, the center of gravity uh, clearly has uh, shifted to the subcontinent, uh, especially financially. And it wasn't always the case earlier. It would be uh, Australia, England, uh, which were the, which had the center of gravity, so to speak. So, is is the are, are these two factors sort of something you guys thought about when you came up with this strategy on of making a pivot, so to speak, towards women and girls uh, picking up cricket and building the sport around the female gender as well, if not exactly to the same level, but at least as much as possible in that direction. Uh, that's that's an interesting question. But Sampad, I won't say it's a pivot away from something, but it's it's a rather our strategy and focus on cricket for women and girls come from our genuine belief of making cricket a natural sport of choice for women and girls. I mean, we are talking about 50% of our society here. And if you look at our Australian uh, women's team today, it's one of the most successful team of any sport on this planet, if I may uh, say. They just come off winning uh, a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, which was on back of a World Cup win in New Zealand. So for us, those players are perfect role models for young girls. And we want to see that success at the elite level translate into increased participation at the grassroots. And if you see, once you have more girls playing cricket, you'll have more female volunteers in the system, as well as more female fans. And these will be fans, not just of women's cricket, but also of men's cricket. So this, this is how the ecosystem will develop further and the commercial value of women's cricket would enhance with it too. So you, you may say that we are planning long-term here, but that's what our predecessors did in the previous five to 10 years strategy of investing in the success of the Australian women's cricket team. And they invested in, the, in that part of the, of the game ahead of the returns they were, that are now coming. So in, in the same way, we want to take that strategy further and develop the entire ecosystem for women and girls. And, and to that, we have also committed in our strategy to launch an action plan for, with more tangible targets and tangible actions on what do we would do uh, to grow the cricket for women and girls. Right. Of course, I, I appreciate what you said about uh, uh, it being uh, an initiative to develop the sport for women and girls uh, because, of course, they are 50% of the population and you, know, you can't really sort of ignore uh, their participation and the growth of the sport around them. But the political correctness aspect of this apart, I mean, there is also clearly a financial angle to it because unless you are able to achieve financial uh, viability, it's not going to be uh, something one can, one can sort of plan for in terms of the longer time period or the long frame. 
So I was just going to ask you in 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 terms of women's cricket in India, it is still a very minor operation compared to the men's cricketing world. And the women's IPL, which has been talked about for quite some time, it is still in the pipeline. They are saying it's going to start in 2023. We'll have to wait and see. But in Australia, the women's Big Bash League is a big success. So I was just wondering what, in your view, are some of the key lessons that India could draw from the success of Australia's women's T20 league that we could sort of try and execute here. Thanks for calling that out. Undoubtedly, I would say WBBL has been the leading tournament globally for women's cricket. I believe we had we had it running as a standalone league even before women's hundred came up. And today, just for just for the context of of some of your uh, subcontinent viewers, it's the highest watched women's sports league in Australia by cumulative average audience. And it even gives good competition in terms of audience to other male-dominated sports. So it goes back to my previous point. We had believed in women's cricket. And that's why our predecessors invested appropriately on it. And as a result of it, it has grown over the years. And, and then has percolated into the success for our international women's team. To your question around what are the lessons from it that can be drawn for, for other leagues and, and IPL. I would say a couple of things. Uh, first one, setup. So if you look at the way WBBL is presented as against the men's BBL, it has its own unique experience. It's usually held in smaller stadiums which allow for increased access to the player, a different set of entertainment experience for our fans. And at the same time, the broadcast quality is top-notch. So we have been blessed with the right investment in the facilities and infrastructure in Australia. So that helps us curate WBBL in its own unique setup. The other aspect is pathways. We need to have robust pathways and domestic competitions that offer playing opportunities for female players. That then enhances the quality of the and the quantity of the pool that's playing in the league. So for instance, in, in Australia, we have had WNCL, which is our domestic one-day competition for women uh, players. That's been in place since 1996. So it allows more players to come into the system and then, then go up the pyramid. I think one of the aspects which you picked up in the Indian context that when we talk about cricket, people often associate it with men's cricket and boys' cricket in the society. And one of the aspects to learn or, or pick from the WBBL uh, example is having role models. So I would say many of our women team members, I would say all of them, uh, I would like to say, are great role models for the girls. And a league like WBBL provides a fantastic opportunity for connecting the fans, the young girls, with these top women players and then inspiring them to pick up a bat and a ball and, and then increase your pipeline of players coming into the system. And last uh, but not the least, I would say investments into the sports really important. We've had full-time central contracts for our female players, providing them security to then focus on cricket. You don't have to worry about picking another set of jobs along with it. Now, you'd be right in picking up that the prey grades are not the same as the male cricketers today, but it is definitely ahead of several other competing sports for women. And our leadership is quite committed to, to see them go further higher in the future. So I wanted to actually uh, pick up on what you just said. I think a lot of interesting points uh, have emerged. One, of course, you spoke about in terms of how uh, Australia is making women's cricket work financially and in terms of audience interest. You spoke about making it a better live experience uh, through smaller stadiums and giving access to the players. You spoke about 
a, a super broadcast quality which of course is an attractive factor for uh, garnering television audiences and you spoke about investments uh, in the players with a central contract being given to all the players women players which is which is not easily done in many cases and of course you also spoke about pathways now i was just going to see how this translates in a broader perspective uh, especially given the lo- given the anticipation around the icc men's t20 world cup which is scheduled for october this year in australia and i'm asking this because your strategy document does mention uh, that it's going to be some kind of a test case for offering an outstanding i quote outstanding experience for digital and live audiences some I mean, cricket is largely a television sport now especially after the pandemic so how important is this tournament this icc men's t20 world cup this year for cricket australia uh, in terms of making uh, the experience for live and uh, digital audiences taking it to the next level are there some new things you're planning uh, some new experiments on the annual i was uh, wondering what you have to say on that Sure. I, I think there, there are two aspects to the question that you asked. Uh, first one, uh, as a host country, it's really exciting to have a home World Cup. And on top of that, we are going in as the defending champions. So that's really good energy building up to the tournament. And I'm hoping with the COVID restrictions lifting up, a lot of international fans would be able to, to come down to Australia and visit this beautiful country at a, at a great time. Locally speaking, the energy from our indian communities in australia has been fantastic you'd be interested to know that the tickets for the india pakistan game in the biggest stadium in australia and one of the largest cricket stadiums in the world at mcg sold out within minutes so it's it's a great opportunity to showcase the contribution and opportunities for that part of our community as a host country we are very keen for all fans and visitors to have a great experience at the world cup but linking that to our strategy i do want to note that this is an icc event So what happens is ICC teams work with the broadcasters as well as the venues that provide for the at match experiences. So I'm sure our our ICC colleagues are are looking at driving outstanding experiences uh, both digitally as on live, but it's not a cricket Australia competition in that sense. What we do though is we work very closely with the local organizing committee in spreading the word in the community, providing them with organizational and logistical support on the ground, but ultimately ICC organizes and delivers the the state uh, this particular tournament. As far as your point around offering outstanding or brilliant experiences as our uh, strategy call out, uh, we are working on that with our partners and and venues and over coming years over this the span of 5 uh, years, we would definitely see a lot of great experiences coming out and that's not just for fans but it's also for our grassroots players and volunteers so so we would be launching some really good features over coming months in the grassroots space as well could you talk a little bit about the the experience you're offering for volunteers like how does it work i mean uh, what kind of uh, uh, interaction and experience does a volunteer get like are they paid as well or is it is how does it work yes when i mention volunteer i'm talking about the club officials so when you have tournaments at local suburban levels the clubs that come together often it's the it's the secretaries of the club the players or the coaches at the club they work on a volunteering basis they they're not paid employees of a, of a local club appearing in a, a tournament for instance so organizing the tournaments getting getting the teams ready setting all the financials for the teams organizing the venues and organizing the match timings and communicating it to the teams all that work here is done by the club members or the volunteers as we refer to them so what we are looking to do is 
uh, we have several digital tools and, and portals that these volunteers and clubs would use to organize the competition, organize the finances for the competition, as well as organizing things like an empire for the game. So what we're looking to do is the digital platforms that they use are user-friendly. It allows them to do this with least amount of efforts and highest efficiency. And very soon, we'll be looking to add more features to it, like uh, if I was to give you some sneak peek here, around video recording uh, of the games, highlight packages uh, of the games coming on the app that you can... So, so imagine this, there are thousands of games happening across the country. If they have the hardware, right, and this would be for uh, for tournaments and games under the ages of cricket Australia, not for ICC events, is it? No, we're not talking about elite events. So I'm not talking about our Premier Cricket or state competitions or national or international competitions. What about uh, BBL and WBBL? Yeah, so so that's not the volunteers space. So when you asked about the volunteers space, that's more in the suburban cricket uh, level or below the Premier grade level. Uh, when it comes to Big Bash, that's a that's a proper event in the sense, elite event, which is conducted by a combination of Cricket Australia and our eight uh, states and territory associations. So the clubs are managed by the states and territory organizations and Cricket Australia manages the league. So Big Bash League. Right. We are running out of time, Ankit. So one final question before we wind up. Now, uh, cricket has managed rather well all these years, one might think, uh, without having to feature in the Olympic Games. But Cricket Australia's five-year plan uh, this time uh, seems entirely oriented towards uh, making cricket an Olympic sport. I would imagine all the other uh, objectives about community participation and including cultural diversity, etc. are there also in the Olympic uh, spirit, so to speak. So why is this push to make it a part of the Olympics? And what are the, okay, what are the steps that Cricket Australia is taking to make that happen uh, by 2032? Uh, there are two parts to this question. You can take maybe one after the other. Sure. So I will draw your attention in to November 2021 announcement by ICC. So ICC launched its uh, global strategy and they call out six strategic priorities for global growth of the game. And one of them was Olympic inclusion in 2028 and 2032. Now, as a full member of the ICC, we, we are very keen to support this initiative. And particularly the one that we call out is the 2032 Olympics and Paralympics that are being held at in Australia at Brisbane. So we have an additional responsibility as the host country there to provide that support to ICC's bid. In terms of the process for getting a sport into Olympics, it's a, it's a well-articulated process that IOC has and ICC will be putting the bid. But Cricket Australia, as I said, as a, as a member, full member of the ICC, we will support them in whatever form that's needed because we'll be based locally here where the local organization committee for 2032 Olympics would be. So we'll work with the ICC hand-in-hand hand to make sure that we are pushing for cricket's case for inclusion whenever we can. Uh, we'll definitely 28 would be great, but we do want to see at Brisbane uh, cricket to be there. And if I take some inspiration from the recent Commonwealth Games, it has actually shown how spectacular a show cricket can put up in multi-event sport events. What games are included in a particular edition of the Olympics? It is up to the hosts, right? Is it the hosts' call? So Brisbane would be uh, something which Australia would be sort of uh, itself invested in over and above the ICC's long-term plan. Is that right? That's broadly true. I'm I'm not 
fully versed with how IOC goes about planning all the different combinations of the game. But broadly speaking, yes, the host committee and the host country decides has a discretion on a few set of games and sports. Right. Thank you so much, Ankit, for sharing your uh, thoughts and the inside story on how this document was put together. Uh, it was a pleasure listening to you talk about how Cricket Australia manages and nurtures the sport in your country. Uh, we hope uh, and wish you all the best for the strategy over the coming five years. I look forward to seeing you here again sometime soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking to you, Sampath. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.